Foster, Andrew Graham here for an emergency edition of Rich on Personality. Jimmy Butler traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. The current trade, if I correct me if I am wrong, Dario Saric plus Robert Covington and a second round pick to the Timberwolves for Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton, former first round pick center out of Texas. We haven't seen because he's been injured. Andrew, what is your initial reaction? Well, so I Who is? Um, I I like it. I do. I, I think so. You know, Wolf's Twitter is is notoriously picky and and complaining sort of their go to mode. But and so I see some people saying, you know, wouldn't you rather have the Houston selection with four first round picks? And I, I'm willing to give into that argument. But I like this a lot. I think it's not a work in progress. It's not a complete product. I think you're going to have to keep moving some parts, you know, starting with Gorgie Chang, even maybe moving a guy like Wiggins or Sarich. But I think, to be honest with you, first of all, thank God it's over, right? I think we can agree on that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm glad that we don't have to, like, talk about this anymore. Um, yeah. Which sounds bad, because, like, it is, it, it was interesting, it was very interesting for a long time, but we'd reached the point where we were just talking in circles. Right, and but I think from a pure basketball standpoint, I think it's really great. I think if you're going to treat Carl Anthony Towns as a player who's capable of being a top ten player, which I think we both can agree that he can be, he mm-hmm. isn't now, but he, he definitely can be. For example, Wiggins can't be, and Towns for sure can be. Right. Then guys like Covington and Sarge for sure are the exact type of players you want. You want a switchable three and D wing, and you want a. A stretch four who who isn't a complete defensive liability, who can kind of handle the ball and play in the perimeter. I think, you know, even if the Houston picks would have turned to be, you know, top 15 picks, top 10 picks, these guys are on really good contracts. And part of the thing is, whoever comes in to be the new Timberwolves general manager, because I think we can assume that Tibbs should and will be fired eventually, is going to have a bit more flexibility. And I think this offers them, one, players that can win now, but also that are under fantastic contracts. I think Sarge is still on his rookie deal for a year or two more, and Covington has that you know, really sort of pre-inflation contract, which is great. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I, I'm pretty, pretty cool with it. I actually just finished grading papers the moment it it uh, broke, so it was like this double sense of relief. So it was, uh, right. it was pretty cool. So you're going from uh, grading papers to grading NBA trades. Very uh, contrasting stuff there. Um, I was reading, uh, yeah, I was reading 10th grade essays, three of which were just basically copied and pasted from the internet. So wow. How, do, how much leeway do you give your students there? Uh, you know, yeah, it's interesting. So one basically stole an essay. Oh. So zero leeway on that end. Um, yeah, so, so I... If, some, if someone kind of... Paired, for example, like, they had to cite certain information and because they're not really good yet at, you know, citing their... Like, for an example, for a university-level paper, you have to cite everything that you... That's not your own words, but in 10th grade, if they, if they sort of cite... For example, this was a problem-solution essay, so they were talking about, for example, pollution in Cairo. Now, if they were citing, like, light pollution statistics or summarizing... 
this type of pollution and they didn't cite it. I was kind of cool with that. But when they were using like these words that I know they don't know <laughs> in a way that I know they can't say it. Ah, uh, yeah. Then you go straight to the internet. So that's fair. Um, so early, like in the off, a couple months ago, there is a big NFL trade. Khalil Mack went to the Chicago Bears, and it was it was like two first round picks for him. It was a little less than that, but it was basically like the gist of it was like two first round picks. And uh, my friend brought up a, a Family Guy reference to that. You know the where they. I forgot, I think they went, like, they were being given a gift, and Peter was given the choice of either a boat or the mystery box. And Lois is like, well, take the boat, Peter. And he's like, oh, the mystery box, I mean, the boat's a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. And I feel <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and to me, I feel like that's kind of like what we're here with, uh, with Sarge and Covington, is, I mean, you you present the, the Rockets offer that, uh, you know, it was four first-round picks allegedly, and it's like, all right, maybe those well, picks. Also, Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris, like that's a big hang-up. Yeah, so you have some shitty contracts on top of that for four first-round picks, which might turn into something. Might, and I mean, I mean, first of all, let's just be and like before we dive any further, let's just acknowledge this important point: we don't actually know what that deal was. For everything floated out, we have no idea what those four first-round picks were, what the protections on them were. So I just I don't feel confident. I don't feel comfortable analyzing whether or not that was good or bad because we just well, don't. This whole saga is just a it's just a it's just a PR back and forth manipulation battle. So which agent can you know sort of leak this information for what purpose? And until I, I I mean. I will believe it when I see it if it was four unprotected first-round picks, which a lot of people are just assuming, and I agree with you that it was, that it was just, oh, you could have gotten four unprotected first-round picks, you know? Yeah, I mean, we... Why was that leaked, and what was the reason for it being leaked? Right. Um, So we just don't know. Um, I mean, what... And so, like I said, like, everyone wants the mystery box of, like, oh, you want, like, this big old potential, but... I think just knowing that you got two really, really good starters is a great return if you're Minnesota. Because in addition, I mean, first of all, you can now start taking Taj off the bench, which I think makes him better. And also you, very tradable. Right, he's tradable. And you can move Wiggins to the two and allow Covington to play the three. So now you're really long at four out of five positions, which I think is key. Um, and I mean, I just think getting they needed to get Butler out of there. It was starting to affect the team. Like last night, I included the Kings in the bet just because I, I was banking on the fact that like I don't feel comfortable betting on the Wolves at this no, at that point. You, yeah, you shouldn't. Have. The ke- the chemistry is abysmal, and I mean, I will say, I mean, some of that has to be on Carl Anthony Towns because he allowed Willie Cauley Stein to go for twenty five last night. Even if that's not all on Cat. Some of it has to. Some of the responsibility when Willie Cauley Stein's getting twenty five points on you, that has to go on your center. So Cat has to bear some of that responsibility. Um, I mean, right now they're four and nine. I don't know necessarily that this trade guarantees them making the playoffs. I think they've. I mean, it's a. It's still early, but that's a big hole, and the Western Conference is really loaded. But 
if they waited any longer with this trade, it, they were reaching the point where nothing they were going to do was going to matter. And that this was just going to become a lost season when you really couldn't afford to have that much longer with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins for their development. Like at a certain well, point, the they thing need, is, yeah, I'm saying they they just need to learn how to win, which they weren't. You need to you need to know what you have in Andrew Wiggins, and well, there's there's many. I think there's many tentacles to this, but a big one was you know Wiggins has been playing a lot of the two with Butler, but the thing is Wiggins has been. Now, not on a great team, on a 30-win team, 35-win team, has proven to be a pretty viable scoring option. He's shooting about 40% from the three this year. It's only about 10 games. But you have to know what you have in Wiggins. You're paying him $30 million, and you have to figure that out, and you were never going to figure that out under Butler. And you have to, again, for their development, you need to be surrounding these... Now, these are it. These guys are it now. It's Towns and Wiggins, and you've surrounded them with ancillary pieces. And now these are good ancillary pieces, but these aren't guys who are going to, you know, take shots from them. So I think, to be honest, this is... You could have gotten picks. You could have gotten a lot of different things, but this was the best that they could have done. Because, again, they just held out. Probably could have gotten a better trade in July. Right. That's another one, one of the problems is this isn't the best trade they could have gotten, but it was the best trade they could have gotten after muddling up the whole process. Right. And, you know, I what's, the contrast, too, is that unlike the original Jimmy Butler trade, this one, I think, actually serves to make Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Andrew Wiggins better. As, we, as I've, the point I've made before is that the big issue we're seeing with the Butler trade is that it undermined Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns' development. Butler came in and just decided he was going to be the guy. And you saw a lot of times last year that Carl Anthony Towns and especially Andrew Wiggins would just stand around while Butler dribbled the ball late in games and that would affect them. This move, putting Sarge and Covington around them, those are guys that are going to make Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns a lot better. Um... Covington, I mean, how much better is Carl Anthony Towns going to be on defense now with Covington limiting the number of guys you can just drive at will to the paint? Um, but that also, I mean, as I said, with Butler coming in and limiting Wiggins and Towns' development, that is my main concern for the Philadelphia side of this trade. Yeah, you hate this trade. I, I just don't, I, I just think this trade is a short term is a short-term attempt to try and catch up to Toronto, Boston, and now after Thursday night, what they did to Golden State, Milwaukee. And do you really have any level of faith that Jimmy Butler is going to put the Sixers, now who have no depth now, who in this trade have, did not have a great bench to begin with, have now gotten even shorter? Do you, do you think this trade makes them better than Toronto or Boston, who both go 8-10 to 10 deep, and Milwaukee, who's pretty deep themselves? Well, so that's an interesting question. I think probably not, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that this could put them over the top. Jimmy Butler's really good. Like, really, really good. And he has shown that when he consistently plays... And these, again, are a lot of ifs, but when he plays, because he usually has injury concerns, and when he is sort of not part of a toxic environment, which is every other six months, um, he can be really, really, really impactful. And 
Philly's got a lot of really talented players, and Jimmy Butler could take them over the top. Now, if I had to bet, no, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't get this in a sense is that the biggest concern was always Butler was going to be sort of a really difficult person to sign long term. You were going to be really worried about his about his body and about this idea that when he was 34, you're paying close to 40 million, and that's the only reason you trade for him is to sort of max him out in the summer. And if nothing else, even if they get through the East, this team would get rolled by Golden State. And so what? You have these two cornerstone players, but in three years, do you want them playing with Jimmy Butler, or who do you want them playing with? And now they've sort of said, we want them playing with Jimmy Butler. And that, for me, is the biggest sort of miss-sight, is I think that's not the guy you want playing with them in three years. Maybe this year, but it doesn't really matter. I don't think they're better than Toronto or Boston anyway. Right, and I will say, I perhaps am taking too much of a a short-term look at this in terms of the long-term outreach with Jimmy Butler, because you know Philadelphia, you don't make this trade if you're not going to re-sign Jimmy Butler, and they're going to be able to give him a larger contract than anyone else. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that Jimmy Butler has to be on the team in two years. And so I think if you're trying to make, if you're trying to make the case from Philadelphia's side, I think what you argue is that Philadelphia is getting Jimmy Butler when he's at his lowest value. I mean, imagine if we told you last year, this time last year, that the Timberwolves traded Jimmy Butler for Dario Saric and Robert Covington. You would be pissed. You would be livid that they gave up that level of asset for those players. And a former mid-first round pick from two years ago. Right, and a former mid-round first pick. Who I mean, probably won't be playing in the NBA because his, his, his body just won't keep up. But still, that's just kind of, if you want to think of it from an asset perspective. Right. It's those were the two guys you got in the trade for Dunn, Markinen, and Levine, and now you your basic return for Dunn, Markinen, and Levine has been Sarge, a second round pick, and Covington. Which isn't the best which isn't terrible, but it's not great either. So no, you're right. if you're Philly getting Butler at the nadir of his value, then in two years you could theoret you can use this, you can use the Butler trade to put yourself in a position to compete for a to compete for you know maybe a Eastern Conference Finals appearance and giving your guys that level of experience, putting Simmons and Embiid in those situations where even if they fail, it's going to make them better long term because they have they will have to recognize their shortcomings and what they need to improve upon to get past that level and what it takes to be successful at that level. So you can do that in the short term, and then in two years. I, you can flip Jimmy Butler for maybe a lottery pick at that point. Butler's going to, unless his body completely breaks down, which is a, is obviously a possibility, unless his body breaks down, you can flip him for more in two years. Now I don't know if absolutely, Philadelphia, but I don't. I think we have to. I think we have to treat his his physical issues as likely to happen rather than they could happen. Right, but if we're saying right, and that's a big reason why I'm still if he owned this trade for Philadelphia. Um, it's also the idea that, you know, at this point, everyone is gearing up. Everyone is gearing up to uh, for this offseason, for this big summer of free agency when maybe Kyrie, maybe Kevin Durant, maybe Kawhi Leonard are available, maybe some other guys. Um, but, I mean, do you think that 
but with, so with everyone all gearing up to sign for them, there's no guarantee Philly gets any of those guys. And for a lot of people, the main motivation for Kevin Durant wanting to leave Golden State is to go win on his own, to be the guy. Now, he would get that credit if he went to the Knicks and won, and won there. Is Kevin Durant getting that kind of credit if he joins the Sixers when they already have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? I don't know. Um, Probably. I think so. I mean, he'd be the clear defining reason why they why they won the title. But I'm not. I'm approaching this not from a rational standpoint. If I was approaching this from a rational standpoint, I wouldn't have a fuck. I wouldn't have any problem with what Kevin Durant did because he went to the Golden State Warriors and was clearly the best player. So I don't, I don't have any issue with Kevin Durant right now at all. But if I'm thinking from the perspective of an idiot who hates Kevin Durant and is so biased against him to the point where anything he does, I'm going to criticize, I'm going to find a problem with what he's doing and going to Philly. You can't find that same problem going to New York. Well, no, but yeah, because the New York would be the ultimate sort of bet on yourself pick. Right. Now, where I will say, I think... I would where I would criticize Philly more here. Well, no, what I, they gave up Jared Bayless. Yeah, that that was it. Um, yeah. What I wonder though is if you're willing to give up Sarge and Covington now, did they offer this same package to San Antonio? I mean, I, I think it's very possible that they did offer the same package to San Antonio, and San Antonio simply said no. Because I think they probably also offered Fultz. I mean, I think that would have been your July package. So, for example, when I talk about the Wolves potentially not getting their best offer, I think if you do this deal in July, you get Fultz along with it instead of that second round pick. I, I don't know, though. I mean, it seemed like Philly is pretty... Maybe not, but I think for Kawhi, they would have offered Fultz. Perhaps. If they had more, I think they would need more indication that Kawhi would resign. Because that is the one difference here, is that Butler, it yeah. feels pretty much set in stone that if you trade for... If you trade for Jimmy Butler, you're going to get a chance to re-sign him because... He's getting that money. Jimmy Jimmy, and whatever he can say, all he wants about winning, he's a fantastic competitor. But Jimmy Butler wants that money. He should, by all means, go get it. But he would have stayed with the Wolves if contract situations would have allowed it as well. And right. Jimmy Butler was, was just interested, really, in, in, in getting that five-year deal. And right. I think Kawhi is a bit different because Kawhi... No matter what Kawhi does, he's going to get the most amount of money someone can offer. He's just a younger player and a more valuable asset. And I mean, um, he's just he's just better. He's better. I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. I mean, Kawhi is just better than Jimmy Butler in virtually every way except laughing. And I, I can't even confirm that because I've never heard Jimmy Butler laugh. Um. Uh, yeah, he's Jimmy Butler. Have you uh, heard him Jimmy laugh? Butler's, I don't know. We can do like a laugh ranking sometime. Jimmy Butler is. Top half, nice laugh. Not a bit, o- not over the top. Pretty pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, that's Carl Anthony Towns' laugh. He laughs like Kawhi as well. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was your laugh sounds like weeping. But that's what like Kawhi this. sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit lower though. His um. Did you watch the? I think I sent you the video. Did you watch the video where they overdubbed his laugh with the old NBC theme? Oh, absolutely. I watched that probably like. like a bunch of people said that to me. Yeah. I can't believe how many times I watched that. Like I, 
I, I watched that for like 30 straight minutes. My professional future, there was a time when my professional future was in doubt because I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> um, so with this trade, let's look at the, the 76ers roster now. Let's go ahead. Let's look at that. Uh, so we can we can confirm. Um, okay, so with this, Saric and Covington both leave the starting lineup. So would you? I would anticipate that the uh, what do you call it? The God, what am I trying to say here? The starting lineup, I think, is going to what's going to happen. The ripple effect. That's it. I think what's going to end up happening is that. You're going to end up with either Amir Johnson or Wilson Chandler starting at the four, then having Jimmy Butler at the three, and then still have Fultz at shooting guard with J.J. Reddick coming off the bench. I I would flip it. I know what they're doing with Fultz, and I get it, and he hasn't been a disaster, but especially with Butler, you need J.J. Reddick up there. Oh, I'm not saying this is what they should do. I'm right, saying okay. this is what they will do. I mean, Reddick functions basically as a stutter on that team in the sense is that he he doesn't come in five minutes after five minutes into the first quarter anyway and he plays the majority right I mean I know I know what they're doing with Fultz it's a it's a sort of trying to give him a boost of confidence but now the stakes are, are raised so much though that's the thing though right um and we know Jimmy's really 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 bad at sort of coaxing along young precocious players so do you think that like, yeah, he is, but especially those who are not the strongest mentally. Oh my god! Oh, oh no! Oh my god! I didn't even consider the false angle. He's going to destroy oh, him. Man. It's so brutal. That's the thing too. No. Also, Ben Simmons doesn't exactly seem like. I just. There was the Woj thing where Woj, Woj tweeted, look, they plan on resigning him unless either he gets hurt or something goes wrong with Butler, Simmons, and Embiid. Sort of like it's a foregone conclusion they're going to resign him. I was like, that's a 60% chance he probably resigns. But there's a... Look, Jimmy Butler has been a toxic individual, and it's not always his fault, but for the last two, for the last two teams he's been on, he's the only two teams, he's, he's left in a really sort of negative way. Right, and he's pissed off both veterans. Rondo hated him, although Rondo hates a lot of people, and um, the young guys also hated him. And management hated him, and that's the same thing in Minnesota. So, the the one thing I will to give to give any level of credit to Jimmy Butler, I'll say this: it was hard to parse anything from that Chicago situation because Garpax sure. is the most uh, they are like just comically dysfunctional. Like, yeah, totally. Remember right. when they gave that? Remember that contract they gave to Jabari Parker this off season? Good God, what idiots! Uh, just, uh, can, I, can I say something quickly about Jimmy Butler before we get any further? Is as a Wolves fan, I, I'm seeing a lot of you know Wolves fans. Again, I said complaining is sort of the way they like to go, but I, I am appreciative for some things that Jimmy Butler brought us to the playoffs, and it was cool. I mean, I, I hadn't watched playoff basketball with my favorite team since I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And I got to watch him win a game and have exciting and be just relevant last year. And I think that was pretty cool. So a bit of a shout out to Jimmy Butler, but I'm also really glad he's off my team. But anyway. Yeah, I would. Yeah, now I'm kind of salty Charlotte didn't make this trade. 
Um, yeah, because he would have resigned. Yeah, I mean, they could have resigned him. I mean, it would have been they would ne- they wouldn't have won a championship or anything, but they're not going to anyway. I've we understand yeah, they would have been that. The fourth seed. They would have been the fourth, the fourth or fifth seed for like two or three years. That's right. Not bad. We would have had like a really fun first round exit to Philly, and how fun would that have been? Um, Honestly, it was only a five game series with the Rockets, but it wasn't a terrible series. It was fun. No, I mean, y'all almost won. Was it game two or game one? Y'all almost won. We almost won game one. And then we won game three. Game two is the one where y'all got, like, legendarily shit on, right? Yeah, we got destroyed. But game one, we almost won. Really, we kind of blew it at the end. Won game three pretty convincingly. And we were up by one at the half on game in game four. And then Houston scored, like, 50 points in the third quarter. Oh, yeah. That that was the one I was thinking of where it was just, like, a legendary beatdown. Yeah, 50 points in a quarter. My favorite Woj note from... Although, when you say, like, do you think that – don't you think, though, like, if y'all still had Chris Dunn and, uh, like, with the addition of, like, Jeff Teague and you had Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and Laurie, Mar- Laurie Markkinen, I have to think that team still makes the playoffs last year. No, I don't think so. Because Butler only played, like, 50 no. games. No, I don't think so. No, I don't. I think – first of all, I think you were going to have to get rid of one of Dunn – and Wiggins. I think that was just inevitable from a contractual standpoint. Um, I, at the time... Well, it would have been a shame if you had to give up Wiggins. Yeah, and also, no, I don't think so. I think Chris Dunn has not proven to be a competent NBA player. I think he will be. And Lauren Markkinen is nice, but he was also a rookie on a bad team. Um, And he played well, but we don't know if Lauren Markkinen is a... We'll just see on him. No, I think I think they would have maybe been a 500 team. I don't think they make the playoffs. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm saying that only because like Butler only played 50 wins, games. 43 win team. But with Butler, I mean, like Butler adds. You know, he was hurt for most of the year, and they still won. You know, 47. I think I think fully Butler Butler adds 10 wins. I um. He's good. I love the Woj note where he says uh, after winless five game road trip that ended with loss to Sacramento on Friday night. Thibodeau had come to the realization that the Wolves couldn't win with Butler in this dysfunctional environment. And he told associates that many wouldn't play another game with Butler. See, this is why you can't have your coach and GM be the same guy. Because any any general manager with a brain, or anyone looking at this from, you know, from anyone looking at this situation from above, knew there was no chance this was going to function. There was no way it was going to function. Because, I, I mean, like, Butler is just saying, like, all right, guys, I'm taking a day off, and you guys can live with it, motherfuckers. That's basically what it was. Like, but Jimmy was playing when he wanted to play, and when he did and when he did want to play, he was going to get the ball, and no one else was going to get the ball if he wanted it. Um, well, more than that, I just... It, I mean, more than that, because I think Butler was actually pretty generous. Um... When he was on the court, I think more than that is just either people who liked Butler were obviously uncomfortable with the situation. Butler has friends and allies on that team, but they were just obviously uncomfortable, and the other faction just fucking hated him. Yeah, I mean, he. And that's hard to, you know, in any workplace environment. I know sports are different than your classic workplace environment, but you're still a collection of people who need to work together to achieve something. And when you hate the people that you work with, that you have to interact every day. It's really hard to do anything well. Right. 
And it just at a certain point, I think you have to say that you need to start making things. You need to start accommodating to Carl Anthony Towns, who I can't imagine was too oh, happy with Butler being around. Points in the first half yesterday. Who did? Carl Anthony Towns had twenty nine points in the first half yesterday. He did. Yeah. Damn. And y'all still lost. Yeah. That's. And Derrick Rose is shooting forty seven percent from three. See, I think, like, Derrick Rose, um, what do you call it? I think Derrick Rose, what he's doing this year has been terrible for y'all. Dude, he, they're going to give him, because he's so popular with the fans, and he's just, he's such sort of a cult, not even a cult figure, he's just so revered in terms of a marketing standpoint. You know, they unveiled these Prince-themed Nike jerseys. Did you see those? Yeah, of course. When are they, yeah, when are they wearing those? sold out in every size in one minute. Wait, are, are they on sale now? They were. Are they not anymore? Well, I think they're probably going to sell them again, but they're sold out now. What about the pants? I don't know, but I'm getting anything related to that uniform when I get back to Minnesota. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. Um, yeah, Derrick Rose, like, it was funny. It was like a couple nights, like a few nights ago, or maybe it was a week ago. The Timberwolves were on a national game, and it was like, come watch Derrick Rose with the Timberwolves. Like... What has happened Curry, to your Steph seat? Curry, wasn't it? Wasn't it the Warriors game? That probably was it. Yeah, like Steph Curry against Derrick Rose. And like, what has happened to your season when the Timberwolves are being are in a game and Towns or Butler is not the one being broadcast as the star? And that's a to problem. To be fair, um, Derrick Rose, I don't know how much translates to wins, but he's going to get a multi-year contract if he stays healthy and plays like this. I mean, his if he if he shoots 40% from three, he's... Well, I mean, if he if he shoots forty percent from three, I think he's be- he's just better than Jeff Teague. That I think is pretty yeah. inarguable. Um, I mean, if he shoots forty percent from three, I can't really cr- criticize him too much. I mean, yeah. that just at that point. See, by the way, with Wiggins, which is also why I want to see him get more touches because he is shooting forty percent from three, and he, he's he's looking pretty good. Wiggins is. Yeah, he's shooting. I think thirty nine percent from three this season. Let's uh watch check it out. Uh, he is shoot. Yep, yeah, just under just under forty percent and off of five attempts a game. Yeah, so he's so that's encouraging. Although, I, what does it say that uh, his what do you call it? His field goal percentage from three is just a shade under forty percent, and his field goal percentage overall. Is just a shade under forty-two percent. So he's just—he hasn't it been taking any layups. It shows that Wiggins should only be shoot, shooting around the rim and um, shooting threes, but he—he he loves his nineteen to twenty-two foot fadeaway. Who? Now let's. I'm not. I think your point is valid, but is it not also not fair to say that like pretty much everyone should only be doing that now? Yeah. I mean, I think Except there's something... Like LeBron and certain players. I mean, I think Steph Curry can shoot whatever shot he wants. Kevin Durant can shoot whatever shot he wants. Yeah. Um, a mid-range Kawhi, from like... I mean, Kawhi shooting mid-range, mid-range shots is never a terrible idea as well. It's, it's never a terrible idea, boy, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Um, yeah, like Kawhi, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeRozan, those guys can shoot mid-rangers. Um, mm-hmm. Wiggins, I mean, I mean, you see this. If he can shoot forty percent from three consistently, and 
so he's you know he's taking about five threes a game, like fifteen shots overall. If you can just turn the other ten shots, if seven of them are at the rim, yeah, then Wiggins then becomes I think he could become a top twenty, top twenty five offensive player at that point. Well this is the this is the really disappointing thing about Wiggins, but remember his first two years in the league, he was getting to the free throw line at a James Harden like rate. I think every, the first two years he was top three in free throw attempts. And he was shooting, you know, almost eighty percent. So it was looking like you know, it was just if he gets his three-point shot in order, he's going to be, you know, on the offensive end because he was terrible on defense. But on the offensive end, he was looking like a guy who would, no question, average 25 points a game. I mean, because he did. He averaged 25, 24 points a game the year before Butler came. And, um, well, and like, I mean, his, yeah, his career falling off. Yeah, he's, he, averaged, he averages like six free throw attempts a game for his career, averaging less than three attempts this year. I mean, that's terrible. And that, last year was awful, but his first year seems to have been like eight or nine. Right. Um, Which is great. And when Tua, I just feel like there should be a lot of great interplay where Towns should be able to create some space for Wiggins to drive because he's got that ability to shoot from the baseline, which opens yeah. up the middle of the floor so much. And clearly, I mean, Derrick Rose is taking advantage of it. If Derrick Rose can take advantage of it, then, you know, why can't Wiggins? Um... So let's shift the conversation now. Let's uh, let's focus on the East now, the East race. How do you calibrate what the East race is now in terms of not just like how are you slotting the four – because I, I think we can agree now it's a four-team race in the East. Mm-hmm. What are the – how do you rank those four teams and what is the gap between them? Like what tiers are you putting them in? Um. So I think – there's two tiers. Um, I think so. Out of the four, there's two tiers. I think the first tier, and and in this order, uh, Toronto and Boston. I think Toronto is a step ahead of Boston. I don't think it's it's a step. It's not a leap. It's not a chasm, but it's it's a step. Okay. And I think you have Milwaukee and Philly sort of in a second tier. Now, there the second tier doesn't mean that they can't contend. But there are significant questions that those top two teams don't have. For example, Philly, we talked about earlier, the bench is a major question. And it's something that is going to be a question. And they don't really have assets to remedy it. And they're really going to need a guy like Markel Fultz to just sort of explode. And then with Milwaukee, I just think there's some question marks still with individual players, not including Giannis and Chris Middleton. Such as? I think... A lot needs to go right for them, and a lot of players need to sort of play above at least my expectations for them to get to that Toronto level. What about you? But the, so those are my tiers. It'd go Toronto. If I had to pick an order, it'd go Toronto, uh, Boston, Philly now, and Milwaukee. I do really believe in Jimmy Butler at least for this year. So you would put? You think Philly's above Milwaukee now? Yeah. I. Maybe I'm just maybe not now, but I think come playoff time, yeah. Maybe I'm just biased because I like the most recent NBA game I watched was the Milwaukee Golden State game on Thursday, where Milwaukee just blew the doors off the Warriors. But I mean, Milwaukee looks really good, and they do, and they have a great coach. And so I'm like, I'm hesitant to put them above Boston, but you know, all the arguments I've made. For why I believe Toronto at this juncture is ahead of Boston, and maybe that that could all change. But 
But the argument for it has been that Toronto has the best player in the series, and they have the depth to where I think that I just think that the pieces on the Raptors all fit together better. Everyone has a role that's clearly defined right now. In Boston, we still don't know that. You know, I think ideally the best situation for Kyrie Irving, for Gordon Hayward, for Jason Tatum, for those three guys, I think the best situation for any of them is for them to be the lead scorer on a team. And so how do they how does the interplay between all of them work together? Because Kyrie has never been I think we think of him as a great point guard, but he's never been an elite facilitator. And I don't think we would say the same. I don't think we would say that about Gordon Hayward or about Jason Tatum either. None of them are great facilitators. Um, Gordon Hayward's not an incredible defender, and neither is Kyrie Irving. I think the Raptors, everyone works together so well. And I think you watch Milwaukee, I think you can make the exact same argument for them. Because Giannis is better than any player on Boston. Not a hot take. Not a hot take at all. And I think every player around him works into that system beautifully. Brooke Lopez... Well, so this is the Wolves... This is an argument, for, basically, before we go back to this, this is an argument for the Wolves trade, which is, if you identify your the pecking order, then you just put people around it, you commit to the pecking order. Right. I agree with that. And, and you commit... Yeah, yeah I, that's another reason why I'm higher on this Wolves take, because I think, okay... Um, you have to make a decision. Who is it, Towns or Wiggins or Butler? And you you go with the young guys, and then you say, okay, the guys we're getting are not are gonna you're gonna fit in line with that. And I think those are two really good role players. But I do think Philly. I, I mean, I agree with everything that you said, and I again the only counterpoint I would make is I we know what Jimmy Butler is. We know the impact he can have on the team. We know the type of, the sort of difference he makes. And again, and maybe, and I will probably be wrong on this, but I'm, I need to see what the guys in Milwaukee are going to do that aren't Giannis, that aren't Middleton. And it, so far, so good. Um, and it could sustain itself. But that's, I think we know the upside of Philly and we don't know the upside of Milwaukee. Now, Milwaukee's better now, but you get what I'm saying? So we know right. that on playoff time, Philly's going to be really dangerous. Philly could be, but I mean, we know. we're talking about like you don't know the upside of the guys around Milwaukee. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, for as much as I love Ben Simmons, I still don't know how much of a threat that guy is come playoff time when we just know he can't shoot. Which Do you is, buy that he's shooting? This is like Kevin O'Connor thing. Do you buy that he's shooting with the wrong hand? Um, I mean, maybe. I mean... Maybe he just can't shoot. I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a huge like. Yes, well, his mechanics, the, the elbows needs to be a little right three degrees inside. Like I, I don't fucking know. I his mechanics are terrible. As someone who like, occasionally would have to like do shooting lessons and stuff, mechanics are bad. But um, so I, I don't know. And so like with. I mean, even with Simmons, and he's not even half as much of a question as Markel Fultz is. And let's face it, I mean, if Markel Fultz isn't good, then Philly has like has basically no bench. You're looking at like TJ McConnell and then either Wilson Chandler or Amir Johnson. That's what your Wilson bench is. Wilson Chandler has been nice, but it's not enough. So, I mean, at that point, you're going like six, maybe seven deep if Fultz isn't, isn't playing well. 
And to me, that's a problem I when the. I think Milwaukee, Boston, and Toronto all can go close to 10 deep. And a certain, like, Again, all... It's gonna, the question is going to be who is going 10 deep for Milwaukee and how much you trust a lot of their ancillary pieces. But, I mean, don't, the thing is, I don't, I don't think any of those guys are bad, though. I think those are all... Because I agree, at a certain point, you know, at a certain point, fit isn't as important as having great talent. But I love, like, I think Tony Snell as a role player is awesome. A great 3 and D, 6th or 7th man. Ursan Ilyasova, another great 3 and D type of guy. Eric Bledsoe was incredible against the Warriors. I mean, I just think this Milwaukee team, they can go to the paint at will. And it's not just Giannis. It's Bledsoe. It's DiVincenzo. I mean, Chris Middleton has taken his game up to a completely another level. DiVincenzo is nice. I really D- wanted the Wolves to take him. I Demon Chenzo has some cojones. And you know what I mean by cojones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, yes. Uh, like Malcolm Brogdon, I, there's just a lot of guys on this team that I like. I mean, Della Vadova, I mean, he's not like incredible, but I mean, Delhi as like your 10th man, he's one of the best 10th yeah. men in the league. He's a, him as a third point guard is pretty nice. And so, and you know, I wonder like, what is Embiid doing on defense on those Milwaukee lineups where Giannis plays the five? And I think Brooke Lopez is the type of guy, I think he's a center that you can throw. Like, they've got enough centers where they can throw at Embiid and just get fouls on him. Lopez, Henson, and... Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're still unsure if McCurr can play in a playoff series, but I still love him. I still love him. I remember the Howard Beck piece. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear it. Who can play in the playoffs? Thawne McCurr. Oh, right. Thawne Maker. I mean, we don't... Like, we still don't know if he can play in the playoffs yet, but... I mean, if he could do anything, then that's legitimately four centers they have that can rack up fouls against yeah. Joel Embiid. And we saw what Embiid, how much he struggled when Boston presented him without Horford last year. Mm. So I think that Philly, you know, as again, I think that if they're able to turn Butler into an asset where they can tr- flip him in a couple years, then I'm fine with the trade. But. It feels pretty short-sighted for a team that I don't think their window needs to be now. I think that Benson... Well, that, I mean, so that's two separate things. I think, again, I, I mean, those are good points in Milwaukee. I, again, I just think in a league where you know two or three outstanding players can sort of, sort of supersede a really well-functioning unit, not all the time, I think that I'd give Philly a slight edge. But it's really really sort of tenuous at this point and I definitely could see Milwaukee um, vaulting ahead and that but it is short-sighted it, and that's I think a problem although and I also it's like kind of low, it's kind of low risk in a sense is you're not giving up too much but on like the uh, I mean on the Milwaukee side well I mean I think I mean Sarich could have developed into yeah, I think the people who thought, I like Sarich a lot, by the way. He's never going to player. I'm the most excited about. I guess maybe. I guess it probably wasn't fair to ever think he was going to become like the third man in the big three. But I was going to say on a on the Milwaukee side, I mean, if in a Philly Milwaukee series, I think we can agree that the the number one best player is Giannis, and then the second best player is Embiid. But honestly, this is the, also the best thing. This is the best thing you need to know about this trade as well is that Covington and Sarge would play on any team in the NBA. They would make the rotation yeah. on any team in the NBA. 
without question. Um, and they, they're maybe not their starters, but they are both relatively young players who could play on any team in the NBA. The Warriors would take both of them. And I mean, any team would insert them into the rotation. Yeah. Gladly. I mean, do you think that... Um, what do you call it? Do you think... So I'm saying, like, in a Milwaukee... I want to just finish this thought before, he, before I address that. Um... In the Milwaukee Philly series, it's number one best player is Giannis. Number two is Embiid. I think it, I think there is a real question uh, as to who number three is. Jay Butler, if he's healthy, in my opinion. I mean, I think I'm fine with like I'm not I, I'm not gonna like argue to death on it, but right. I do think that like I think Middleton has something to say about that. Middleton has been amazing yeah. this year. He's shooting like 46 percent from three on eight attempts. He's, I mean, he's not going to keep that up, but if he's around like 43% from three, at that point, Middleton is, I mean, we saw what he was in the playoffs last year. I thought he took a big step in that Boston series. Um, I think Middleton has reached the point where I'm not totally convinced that Butler is significantly better in a playoff series. I agree, and I think also from a Sixers standpoint, it's really kind of it has to make you a bit worried that Ben Simmons is clearly the fifth best player in that series. Yeah, I mean Simmons. I think you also. I think you just have to wonder: Did Simmons come into the league at the wrong time? I mean, let's face it: like Magic Johnson would not be the same player if he came into the league right now. You cannot be that bad shooting from three as someone with the ball in your hands. But also Magic Johnson, I mean, you know, if he would have grown up knowing that the three-point line was a more viable option, we, we can't know how good of a shooter he would have been. Right. Well, I, I think Magic ended up being decent near the end of his career. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, if he, if also if he would have grown up playing AAU basketball and, you know, being instilled that a three-point shot is a valuable shot, I mean, most right. likely he didn't have a three-point shot. I mean, oh, yeah, so right, I think... In, um, but Simmons is kind of a modern NBA player, though. So, like... So Magic is sort of positionless, and he is. Magic at eighty nine ninety shot thirty eight and a half percent from three on three and a half attempts. So that so I, I take it back. I mean, he was like uh, he was abysmal every other year of his career, but he did get it going for that year. So I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, um, Magic probably could have approached forty if that would have been something that would have been emphasized in his game. Just considering that he excelled at everything else that did, I don't know why he wouldn't have become a great shooter. Right, but it, we're, if we're if we're operating under just operating under like what Magic Johnson was, if we just took sure. what Matt we took like nineteen eighty four Magic Johnson and put him in the NBA now, that guy is not a top five player. He's just not. Um, uh, probably and, not. And Simmons. I don't know. I don't. Um, I probably top five. Probably. I mean, if you can't shoot, then like you can't do anything with that. I don't know. I mean, I I push back a little on this again. I mean, his attempts per game were also just super low. I mean, it couldn't have been over three early in his career. No. But if you like, if you know he's not a threat at all, then you just end up getting defended the way Simmons is. Where people just that's back true, off. That's him. true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I mean Simmons. At a certain point, we're gonna have to question like, does he have to move positions? And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, then that completely limits the fact that like that neuters his greatest strength, which is his passing ability. 
Oh, I mean, he becomes instantly less valuable if he if he if he's not a primary ball handler. Because he's just not like I, he's really good at getting to the rim, but he's not Giannis. Like Giannis can that's get also a, the same thing with Markel Fultz, by the way. Markel Fultz is, and that's another reason his fit with Simmons is quite odd. Like I think Fultz is Fultz loses value if he's not a primary ball handler. But I'm sorry, I inter- interrupted you about Giannis. Um, I was just gonna say, like Giannis, like he, he doesn't need to be a great shooter to be dynamic offensively. Like I mean, Giannis is a pretty good passer. He but he's not like anywhere near what Simmons is. But like no one's guarding him in the same way because Giannis. I'm not sure if you saw the still, but he had a layup attempt against the Warriors where he was standing like near the edge of the logo when he picked up his yeah. dribble for the layup. Like Simmons can't do yeah. that yet. He just can't. I mean, again, that's another argument I think for Magic Johnson because I think Magic Johnson was just such a dynamic scorer, but who knows. Right. Um, and so like with the 76ers, it's weird where like maybe the best – way for the interplay of Simmons and Embiid is for Simmons to be inside and for Embiid to be outside, but that makes Embiid inherently worse. It does. Yeah, I mean, again, I think Simmons is... It's, it's the same thing that happened with Butler and the Wolves. I mean, now, he, first of all, we're dealing with two better players than Towns and Wiggins, but are certainly more proven players. Down the line, crazy trade idea. Tell me, if I'm, tell me how insane I am for even throwing this out there. You ready for it? Are you sitting down? Are you sitting? Are you in a chair? Yeah. All right. A year from now, I'm just going to lay out the situation. Pelicans had a successful run to the second round of the playoffs. A tough seven-game series loss to LeBron James and the Lakers. Even with home court advantage, LeBron goes into New Orleans, gets a devastating victory at in Game Seven at New Orleans. Anthony Davis realizes. He will never win a championship with the Pelicans, and he needs to get out. At that very moment, that is the first time that thought ever crosses his mind. Yes, pretty much. Um, because he will, at that point, the Pelicans will have had a 3-1 series lead. And, of course, we've seen 3-1 series leads end. And so, the Pelicans looking to unload Anthony Davis, but getting a young super, but they want to get a young superstar in return. They want to get a young superstar who's familiar with the state of Louisiana. That is right. I am proposing a Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis trade straight up. Yeah, I mean, if I, first of all, both teams, I think, I think, I mean, I think that's not a hot take at all. I mean, Who says no? No one. I can't believe no one else. I, no, I mean it's that it, it all depends on if Anthony Davis if Anthony Davis says yeah I'll resign in Philly then because I, I mean right. we, I know it'd be a weird fit with him next to Embiid but I mean he kind of made it work with Boogie and Boogie's not as good as Embiid because like uh, 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 close though I mean yes Embiid is better than Boogie well Embiid I think like the big difference Sorry. is Embiid is like a lot better defensively. Which would yeah, allow right. Davis to not have to necessarily be... He's not be, a better offensive player than Boogie. He's not. I think he will be by the time this trade happens. Maybe um, he's proving it this year. I think he's the second leading scorer in the NBA or something. Third. Yeah, well, he had like 42 points through three quarters earlier this week. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. just I mean, he's stupid awesome. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just imagine like trying to go... Trying to like get a layup against that team. Anthony Davis or Embiid. Whoever... 
is playing off ball that on any given night is getting seven blocks. There's guarantee. Right. Um, no, I mean, and I think Simmons again would be on a, you know, you'd have him for like four more years. I mean, imagine, oh my, I mean, just imagine like the big three of like, of like, maybe you only get a year of this, but if you had like Butler, Davis, and Embiid, that defense, oh my God. It's, it's oh really my nice. God. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, I think, the, I think the big point is anyone who gets Anthony Davis is just going to, that's what's so annoying about the Pelicans is any team that gets Anthony Davis is just going to be awesome. It was the whole KG thing. I mean, I grew up on this. It was, you know, once you saw KG just leaving, and he wasn't even his prime. He's still an all-star, but he wasn't, you know, 2003, 2004 KG. But is it, you put that guy on any other team in the NBA, or not any other team, but a good 15 teams, you put Anthony Davis on the Wolves, man. Man, they'd be, they'd be pretty cold. They'd be awesome. Um, so, I mean, I think Anthony Davis this year has probably been the best player in the world. It's certainly – maybe Steph Curry. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue that. Steph yeah. might be hurt. I mean, Anthony Davis, I just think, like, what he's done, like, from a defensive standpoint too. Um, True. I mean, and, and we'd be arguing in circles because neither of us would be right. And, and simultaneously, we would both be right and both be wrong. In this argument, um, that's kind of how it goes with who the best player argument is. Yeah, most of the time, unless you're arguing for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Who's arguing for Russell Westbrook? Are people arguing for Russell Westbrook? Is that a thing? Uh, well, some people are. I think too, like underrated standpoint argument from this, which also like apparently, Woj said that like part of the the in, the inspiration to trade him to Philly was that they wanted to trade him to the East and not to a Western rival. Yeah, that, that, that I think is 100% true, and it's 100% fucking stupid. If they didn't trade, if they made a worse trade because... Yeah, I they, think they did. Read, believe this news report. I've, I've, I've been around Glenn Taylor enough. No, I mean just like the news around him and people who cover him and know him to know that this is the kind of shit that he thinks about. And I think Tibbs obviously thinks about it as well. And I think this isn't just the president of basketball operations and coach. Like, I think also the owner is part of the same stream of consciousness. So I think this is, I buy this 100%. Which, see, actually, they were a team, speaking of Anthony Davis, I thought the Pelicans, I didn't know how they were going to make it work. But I thought, like, there was a way the Pelicans, if they were willing to give up some first-round picks, where they could have made an interesting play for Jimmy Butler, and that's one I would have encouraged. No, they didn't. They didn't have. They didn't have the the assets to make that work. So I have a question for you. Um, okay. So this was this was pulled. Oh, you say wait or what? No, no, go ahead. Okay, so this was I think pulled. But would you have rather had Josh Richardson in a first round pick, or this Philly deal? I'll be honest with you, I. I've watched Josh Richardson enough to know that I like him, but I just don't know enough about him to where I feel yeah. confident commenting on that because like I, I'm a league pass junkie, but there's only so, like Miami last year, I don't know, I, I just, they, never, they never reached out and grabbed me. They're not fun, even though they, they, run, they, they run great sets and they have a great coach. But they're just kind of like, I don't want to watch Kelly Olynyk for 
30 minutes a game. Well, and like, I was, I got so pissed off too because like at the, like the end of two years ago when like Dion Waiters had that incredible run, the Waiters Island thing, everyone's, oh my God, if you're watching League Pass, you will know how much fun this is. It's so, it's so much fun. And then I, like, you know, last year I turned it on and it was no fun at all. They're boring as shit. They just have a bunch of guys who are all kind of okay, who you kind of like, who are all on just the worst contract ever. Um, yeah. Like, am I really supposed to turn on, like, the Heat game to watch Hassan Whiteside? No. 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 Especially not, watch, not to watch Hassan Whiteside. I mean, dear God. Like, and, oh, Goran Dragic. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, there are all these players that would be kind of fun if they were with star players. But since they have no star players, it's... It's yeah. Just yeah. Um, yeah. Screw the Heat. So I, I don't know how I feel about that trade. I mean, I think that too. Like, I don't think the Heat first round pick is going to be great. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure Miami makes the playoffs. Probably will because the East sucks. But even if they I mean, do, it's a top twenty pick. Yeah. So like a top twenty pick, like sixteen to twenty, which isn't terrible. So I mean. Again, this goes back to the mystery box versus the boat. Yeah. And I would rather just go ahead and just guarantee I got Sarge and Covington. Which, I mean, honestly, like... I'd rather honestly have Sarge than... I'd rather have Sarge than Richardson long-term, and I think Covington as well. Right. I mean, like, honestly, like, Richardson sounds to me like just slightly better Covington. Right? He is. And, he, and his contract is four years, $42 million, and he's 25. Well, I mean, that, that contract, I, to me, sounds great. I mean, long-term, that's an incredible... It's I mean, that's, that's, that's also why he's such a valuable asset. I mean, he's good, but his contract also is amazing. But even for that, I don't know. Um, oh, I mean, I mean, that's a great contract. I think right, but I'm saying, like... As good as Andrew Wiggins. But I'm saying, like, even with that, even with the contract, I don't know that plus a oh. first outweighs Sarich and Covington. Because, again, yeah, I mean... Again, we can always parse through certain deals. But again, we don't know what was offered. And this isn't a disastrous trade. It's fine. Right. I think... Um, I'm, I'm cool with it. I think we should also keep in mind from a gambling standpoint because that's what everyone cares about. Um, right. I want to let I'm you know, I'm making money now betting on NBA too. I'm getting... I'm starting to develop a bit of a system. Um, okay. This is what everyone says before they like lose... This is what happens before – this is what everyone says before like they lose all the money in their bank account. So I want to get it on record because um, this way this recording will be interesting when we do like the fall of Reed Foster 30 for 30 documentary. Um, <laughs> right. See, I, I think where a lot of people mess up is that they bet independently to see, oh, I like that line. That's great. Everything has got to work together. All the play, all your bets got to work in lockstep. And so I've really, really gotten what I've identified as an inefficiency is teasing. People are afraid to do teasers because it feels cheating and like they don't like the low payout. But you, if you do four, like if you put four teams in a teaser, you could move the lines thirteen points for NBA and for NFL and for like all these sports. And I calculated it this morning. You know, if you move a line 13 points, you're going to start to feel really good. And pretty much the point where it is, is if you do these 14 teasers, if you are 86% confident in all of those picks, 
then all of that together, you're going to end up winning about between 52 and 60% of the time. 52 is what you need to break even. 55 is what you need to do to make a, enough of a profit to go professional. So you just got to you just got to feel good about you got to feel 86% confident with these. Anyway, yeah, I I've always been so tempted to get involved in NBA gambling because I think I I started to consume the the conversation about it and I, I think I could do all right, but I'm also just I'm <laughs> trying to trying to save money to get a to get a master's degree and I uh, I'm just really scared of losing it all. Right. Well, I don't like I don't bet serious money. I only put sure. I only put fifth like NFL bets. I do two dollars. College football, I do one dollar. And then NBA do fifty cents because that's the lowest you can do. Um, right. I these do are, that. Yeah. These are based on my confidence, and so I think what's what I like from gambling is that you're not. A, I'm not approaching this from like a standpoint of I'm gonna like go professional or anything. But you're not gonna be like irrelevant, right? Um, but I do think that you do gain a different perspective when you have actual money on the line and your your takes actually. You can't just say something without consequence, right? You know, it's a different feel. It's interesting if a lot of talking heads in sports media were forced to gamble. I think we'd see just a different. I think it's an interesting point. I think we'd see a different way in which people view the takes that they make on sports. Right. I think this is actually um, this is kind of a good place for us to wrap up. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but like they've been they put out some hypothetical lines for if Alabama played the Buffalo Bills. They would be twenty-eight and a half point underdogs to the Bills. Yeah, I don't want to get into that one because that's football. Uh, but they also put out one for if Duke played the Cavaliers, and the okay. Cavs would be twenty-two and a half point favorites. Is, and, is everyone on the Cavs healthy? Is Kevin Love healthy? I think this. I think it's like presently. I think there's no Kevin Love in that situation. Because um, Kevin Love's healthy, he's, he's scoring fifty. Right. Oh yeah. And so I think like what I like about this um, – and the thing is, is like when you talk about those types of bets in the abstract, you can convince yourself. I convinced myself yesterday, oh, yeah, Duke could beat Cleveland. They would have – I mean Duke probably would have the two best players in the court in R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson if, if Kevin Love's out of the equation. Um, so you could like – I'm saying you could talk yourself into it in that scenario. But if you had to, if you had to put actual money on it, no way. You would never put actual money on Duke to beat an NBA team. You never like would do Colin that. Sexton's a bad NBA player, and he and he would be the third best player in the court. Yeah, and he was shitting on college teams last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he's not even a good NBA player. And no, I mean like Rodney Hood. I mean he was like really nice at Duke, but Rodney Hood now is obviously better than he was four or five years ago. Right. Um, no, they killed him. And so, like, that that to me is the value of gambling. When you talk about it in the abstract, you say, oh, yeah, Alabama would cover. Alabama would cover. If you if you put actual money on Alabama to, to lose by less than four touchdowns to the Buffalo Bills, you're just throwing away money. And at a certain yeah. point, and maybe you don't mind for a little bit, but after, like, two or three bets, you're going to get really pissed off that you're losing all that money. I'd be more, I'd be more confident with the Alabama bet just because I think four touchdowns is a bit easier to like I think 20, 20 points can get racked up really fast in the NBA but four <sighs> touchdowns you know uh, I don't I would be much more confident taking uh, Duke than Alabama 
Just because, like, football at a certain at a certain point in football, like, um, those are actual grown men, and I mean, when you got like three hundred fifty pound men like pushing you around, like, you there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Basketball, there's only so much you can impose your physicality. Right. Sadly, Uh, if not, I I would have been. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to say healthy if, they, if George Hill's healthy and if Kevin Love's healthy, they, they, they blow that team out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't take either of them. But, like, if George Hill and Kevin Love aren't healthy, I, I could see a universe where Duke only loses by 20 and you cover. Um, Because, I mean, I'm not Did you watch any of that Duke-Kentucky game? Yeah, I, I used to play, I used to play um, AU basketball. Um, and then I played against him in high school with a guy named Reed Travis who's for Kentucky now. Oh yeah, great name. And um, um, yeah, he's, he's a grad transfer. He's he's starting for them. Yeah, so I kind of I kind of tuned into it. I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but I kind of watched the recap and. Uh, oh dude, I'd like fucking hell, man! <laughs> that two team. That's that's my analysis of it. it was just... I mean, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson is like two hundred eighty pounds, right? Two hundred eighty-five. He would currently he, he'd be the second heaviest player in the NBA behind Boban right now. Doesn't he have a forty-eight inch vertical? Oh, does he? It's it's over forty-five. Are you serious? Yes. That would be like the the best in NFL history, I think. Dude, he's yeah. I, he's got he's got like a Zach Levine like vertical. Highest vertical leap NFL history. The highest one was uh, 46 in NFL history. Uh, Zion What's Williamson. Zion's? Can you look up Zion's quickly? No, I'm looking his up too. Um, yeah. Cleared a vertical leap mark of 40 inches. If accurate, that would have put him as the 10th highest max vertical leaper um, in the NBA draft just behind Grayson Allen's 40 and a half. Grayson Allen has a higher vertical leap than Zion Williamson? Uh, yeah, dude, Grayson Allen has bounced. So 45, I'm so sorry, 48. That's ridiculous. That was No, no, they said it was only 40. Ball, like, but... Oh, yeah, only 40. Okay, fair. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's still pretty good. Uh, it's insane for a guy his size. Yeah, that's... <laughs> 285 pounds. Um... Well, and he handles the ball, too. What? Like, the thing is, too, like, I didn't expect him just to be, like, dribbling down the court and making these passes like he's fucking Steph Curry or some shit, too. Like, his jumper is really shaky, though. I know he hit his first three and whatnot, but... It's that... I thought... It's uh, it's not. It doesn't look great. Isn't it, like, the issue, like, it's just, like, kind of slow developing? I mean, shooting's hard. Something you can work on, and you'll obviously take players with all those other physical skills, and then just get them with a shooting coach. But his his feet seem off, his elbow seems a bit flared out. And he, he doesn't. It's just a, seems bit off. But it's not like Cameron Reddish or RJ Barrett, who are just really not shooting. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I kind of have been out on college basketball. Um, I mean, UNC won the championship a couple years ago, so obviously I was tuning in on that. But I, I kind of been out on it. But 
I'm probably going to watch all the – not all of it, but I'm going to try and tune into Duke games this year just to watch Zion and R.J. Barrett together. Good God. Good fucking God. And Reddish. I mean, Reddish is a top five or ten pick. Yeah. Um, before we go, do you want to touch on the Rockets? Does this kind of feel like they dodged a bullet not giving up four first-round picks for Butler? Are you there? No, I. I mean, I, I honestly think it made the most sense of the rocket, to be honest with you. Because I think the moment hard multiple here. I mean, I'm sorry, you you, you died out in your back now. Read. Okay, we are back. Oh, no. I mean, I think if this made sense for any team, it made sense for the Rocket. Um, so I think they kind of lost out on it. Yeah, uh, so on the Rockets, right? So the initial question was, what? how do we make of this from the Rockets' perspective? See, I think, like, um, I think they've been so bad. I would say that they, yeah. I would say, I think they've been so bad that I just, I think I've kind of reached a point where I don't know if Butler would save them. I mean, they just, I mean, I get, like, no, Jeff. Like, Bizdelic's going to come back but this month. They, if... I mean, and also, don't you think that, like, I just think that, like, the rest of the West got a lot better. And even with Butler, I think the best they could be is as good as they were last year. Which I don't think is going to be enough this year. Well, but that was almost enough last year. Right. Um, it was almost I mean, enough last year. won that series. When everything broke their way, True. Um, until Chris Paul got hurt, um, which I think decided the series. We have to be—I think we have to be fair about that. Right, but also if uh, was it Iguodala that went out for the series? Like uh, if Iggy didn't go out before yeah, Chris Paul went out, like the Rockets weren't going to win the series. Also, Boogie's back, and I mean, again, we don't know. Boogie might be back. Yeah, again. But and let's not forget the Lakers did get Tyson Chandler this week. So I like, shout out to Tyson Chandler making making money. Good did you? Uh, I think it, I, they might have been playing the Timber. I think it was the Timberwolves game on Wednesday. It was Tyson was, Chandler's yeah. first game. Right at tip off, the Lakers win it and immediately throw an alley oop to Tyson Chandler, who just terribly misses it. Terribly yeah. misses it. Yeah, I remember that. He um. I mean, I. He's not very good at basketball. Right? Not anymore, but I, I mean, we do got to give Tyson Chandler credit. He, I mean, it's weird, but like you almost figure he deserves a shot in the Hall of Fame because of where, um, because of uh, uh, what do you call it? He might just because like the way basketball works for the Hall of Fame is that like if you're the second best player on a championship team, generally you make the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, let's just be honest, Chandler was the second most important player on the 2011 Mavericks team that won the title. Pretty fair to say? Uh, um, Sean Marion? But, I mean, but Chandler was... I mean, Chandler legitimately had LeBron kind of shook. Yeah. I don't think he's all. Sean Marion. I don't think 
Tyson Chandler. I mean, yeah, in that series, but I don't think he was, you know, sustained. He was as good or as elite. Yeah, I guess if you want to, like, for the whole playoffs, like, maybe J.J. Barea was ahead of him. Um, right, because that's the thing. Like, J.J. Barea was awesome in that playoffs. There was playoffs. There were... He took over that Lakers series. Andrew Bynum had, like, three or four years where he was way better than Tyson Chandler, or as good as Tyson Chandler, I should say. But yeah. I don't think... I don't think Tyson Chandler was great. I mean, he's he's really good. I mean, I don't think he, he should be. Really I'm like criticizing like the way basketball works, where like guys like that like, get getting into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he shouldn't. He he definitely shouldn't be in there. Um, the Bynum thing is weird. That 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 whole era is just odd. Dude, I was the most random thing in my life as I was um, so I was in I was in Tur- I was in Turkey I was in Istanbul and I was I was going to again because Istanbul is on two different continents I was going to this sort of borough that's on the Asian side and I was getting off the ferry because you could either get there through a, like a metro that went under the sea uh-huh. or like a, or a ferry so I took the ferry because it's nice to be on the water and all that and it's the same price it costs like a dollar and a half right as I was going. And I was on, I was walking through sort of the crowd of people to get out, and all of a sudden I saw an Andrew Bynum Sixers jersey. No. Not no. An Andrew Bynum Sixers jersey. Man, the Sixers had been through a lot prior to all this. In Turkey, right? I don't even think he played a minute for the Sixers. Does this trade, does this trade feel at all to you like the... Um, like the Chris Webber trade they made like mid-2000s where maybe they're getting a guy a little too late to have an impact? The Butler trade? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, if he's healthy, I think he's going to be really good for two or three more years. Yeah, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I mean, his ceiling, his, his ceiling will not be... Like, Chris Webber at his prime is a better player than Butler. But yeah. He's a better player than what you got from Chris Webber. Yeah. That makes any sense. Oh, but the last thing on random jerseys, I, uh, I was walking through Cairo, of all places, and I saw a guy wearing a Ricky Rubio jersey, and I walked up to him in, in English, too, not in Arabic, and I was like, go Timberwolves! And he literally just looked at me like I was like an alien, and I like, kept walking. 